Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. That a negative mind can not necessarily be quote unquote a negative mind or be recognized in the person of having a negative mind. I feel like if you neglect yourself from giving yourself good nutrition in all aspects, whether that be physical, mental, um, and nutrition, like as in food and everything else. If you're not checking that, then you're in a negative mindset yeah. because you're not positively trying to grow. Hello, my name is Chris Luera, known as Tatus Drink, and this is the Tom Roland Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. Man, I've got an awesome guest for you today. Somebody a little different than, than our normal guests, but the message remains the same in a lot of ways. Chris Luera got started on the wrong road. He went down a dark road, ended up in prison, and um, then gets out, changes his life, and becomes a three-time world champion in the calisthenics um, championships, battle of the bars. And, um, you know, you've seen, you've seen the Instagram of uh, the guys doing muscle ups and three sixties and jumping over the bars and everything. Well, that's, that's him and uh three time world champion. But in order to do that, he had to really change his mindset. He had to change everything about himself and, and, uh, you know, this is a very extreme situation of of someone being able to change and come out on the other side. And basically, if you're struggling with something and you think you think you're having a hard time, man, you gotta check out Chris's story because it's really truly an amazing story of of um of, of just change and positivity and 
I don't know. I really liked it. So here he comes. He's called Tatted Strength. His name's Chris Luera. And here he is. Chris, man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Appreciate being on. Yeah, I read your book recently. It was amazing. I, you enjoyed it, huh? That's I did. Awesome. I did enjoy it. I thought that it was um I thought it was an incredible story of uh of really turning turning your life around. Um it's it's incredible. So I know that a lot of our listeners haven't heard your story. Do you mind kind of bringing us up to speed a little bit? No, no, not at all. Um, first of all, I appreciate the support. I appreciate that you read the book and I, I, I um, makes me feel good that you enjoyed it. Um, so my name is Chris Luera. Uh, I am known as Tatted Strength. It's um, a mindset thing that uh, has helped me get through a lot of stuff. I'll explain more as we go through the story. Known as Tatted Strength through social media, Instagram, you know, things like that. Uh, my story goes, I was born to two highly addicted drug addicts. My both, my biological parents were very much strung out and in their addictions much before I was ever a thought to be a part of the picture. And um, after I came into the world, my biological mother overdosed and died when I was about two years old. Uh, 18 months in that in that range and after she passed away uh, my father put me into a foster home put me up for adoption he understood that he was not in the place to try to take care of me and um, I'm grateful for it because he ended up dying soon after I was uh, went into the foster home my great aunt found out that I was in a foster home and found out about my parents dying and everything and adopted me. She became my mother um, at the age of 56. She adopted a three-year-old hmm. with a, from, you know, from a drug family. And she, she knew that, you know, she already raised two kids of her own. She knew what she was getting into and grateful for her because she gave me, um, she gave me a great amount of years of childhood Played sports, flag football, baseball. What years? Gave me love. What years were those um, for you? Um, that was three years old to nine, ten years old. Okay, was um, just childhood greatness. You know, I um, I struggled in school. There was a lot of things that I struggled with. Um, just not knowing my biological parents. I, I struggled in school. When I started school, first grade and all that is when it started to started getting bullied and picked on for having my grandmother pick me up all the time. They asked me where my mom was. And that's when uh, the insecurities of my parents being gone and everything started to really take on. You know, like as a five-year-old, four-year-old I asked questions where my mom is and they you know my mother my adopted mother never kept anything from me she told me the story and, and you know she was she's my family she's my great aunt so she's you know but um it was it was really struggle after school you know when other when others influence started to tell you know tell me that I was different more mm. you know 
um, when I couldn't read, when I struggled, when I, you know, I, um, I just put up a post on Instagram uh, last night about the way I thought about soldiers and, and stuff. You know, I used to, yeah. I used to take MREs to school for lunch and um, that didn't help me not being the weird kid, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but um, it, it, the, the, the pain and the different things of that started to seep in as a child. And I, started, I got picked on and I um, started fighting as a kid. You know, I started, uh, I was getting picked on a lot. Um, I got picked on for being the kid on medication. I, um, so I started fighting and then that gave me a, an outlet of violence was, uh, got kids to stop, you know, like it, it gave me the answer that it was the right thing to do, or it, it, it for sure got the job done of, um, not making people pick on me or, 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 you know, make right. me feel insecure about myself and, um, drugs, drugs seeped in very, very young. Um, I think I started stealing alcohol from the garage and testing uh smoking some weed with some kids some older kids around the corner around you know and stuff like around 11 i started smoking weed and stuff 10 i started stealing alcohol still a wine cooler <laughs> thinking i was uh older and stuff that's when it all started and it it it, it took off very quickly man like um i started tagging Become mm -hmm. a, a little vandal, little little vandal, and was destroying property, just writing my name on stuff, and um, that influence of negativity, just like uh, tagging, uh, clickish, like gangs, like gang ideas and drugs, it um, it took off very fast, man. I got I got arrested, I got picked up by the cops first time, like around at eleven. Mm. Uh, luckily I just got taken home, you know, but, um, a couple of times like that, they picked me up, took me to juvenile hall, didn't actually arrest me, but took me, try to scare me and stuff. My mom, you know, so at a really young age, I started getting put in handcuffs and, um, the drug use progressed fast. Yeah. I think I was about, um, 13, 14 years old when I was already smoking crack cocaine. Wow. And, um, I was lost hope, like for myself, honestly, you know, I was buying, buying crack cocaine and the guys I was buying it from were like, dude, you selling this stuff, you know, like you flipping <laughs> it a little homie, like, you know, you like, because they like, even them were like, holy shit, this, like, this is a little ass kid. Right. You know? Um, so it just it, but it, there it was there was basically there. nobody there to and, and those people aren't going to like say no man get it go go do something else like this isn't the place for you like those, that's not Dude. the kind of people that 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 those were right no 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 they were the, the the ones that were selling it they were just you know like they just wanted their money and but it was a trip to them at my young age you know and i was i'm a little guy you know even for my age now i'm not like you know the tallest dude and stuff so like at a young age, I looked younger as it <laughs> as right. it is. So I'm rolling up on a on a bike bigger than me, like trying to buy some crack. <laughs> they were like, geez, man, what's going on? You know, but my mom, 
that adopted me, she was there. And, and, and um, she was on top of things, man. Honestly, my mom, a lot of people assume that because I had elderly parents that like, I just got away with murder, you know, they didn't know what was going on or they, you know, kind of let it go. Dude, my mom, my mom put me in jail more than, more than I put myself, more times than I put myself in jail. Yeah. And so what, what happened there? Like with between, did, did she pass away? Like what happened? She, she was, she was with me the whole, the whole time. And that she's the reason why I'm still here breathing. Because like I said, at such a young age, I was smoking crack. I started tagging that I got into street gangs and, and prison gangs. And at 14, 15 years old, I already had been in juvenile hall so many times and smoking crack and just being so low on myself that I gave up. You know, I was already realizing that like, okay, I came from drug addicts. Uh, they overdosed and died. They never got away from their addiction. I'm heavily in my addiction at this young age. I'm, this is going to be it for me, you know? And uh, my biological mother that adopted me, she was in my ear all the time. Like you can change, Hmm. you can change this. And for years from, you know, 12 years old, all the way to uh, just about 24, I was going in and out of prison, in and out of jail. I did uh, three juvenile camp terms, uh, placement term. I was sent to Utah for a boarding school. Uh, I did three adult prison terms. And every all that time, she was there saying that I could change. She kept hope alive inside me that maybe, maybe. And did you and, did um, you think that that was a possibility? Did you even want to change at that time? Because there was a big part of your book that was really interesting to me about you getting these assignments from people higher up in the gang world than you and and you were like you you even said it like I felt like I was. I might as well have been in a Fortune 500 company, you know, and this was like the ladder stepping your way down, really, but up into the gang world. And 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 like that's that's pretty interesting to me because you had a lot of motivation. You had, you know, you were and you wanted to be a soldier when you were a kid. And like this is all kind of like they're telling you what to do and you're going and doing it and you're being rewarded kind of um, as as getting higher and higher and higher in the in the gang world. Um, but your, but your biological mother or your mother there is in your ear saying you can change. Did you even want to at that time? Were there times where that you just said, no, man, this is it. I'm, I'm going all the way down this road. I told her every time I told her, I love you so much. And you're such a, uh, like an amazing soul, but it's not for me. It's what's not, it's not what's written for me. You know, I, um. I gave up on myself and I would, I would tell her all the time, my, my stepbrother and sister from, you know, her biological kids that she raised, uh, my whole family, everybody around her in her circle was like, you got to let this kid go. Like Mm. this kid is dragging you to the ocean floor, you know, and he's telling you. So the whole time, like I, I never accepted. I like, I just believe I loved her for being there and being, supportive and just giving me love but with the last prison term that i was in i um had just got into a riot um right after talking to my sister on the phone and um my she had told me that my mom was sick like it was just the flu but she said like oh mom's sick you know and 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 i told her that 
if mom passes away, you know, ever, and I'm in prison, if the, if it happens to line up with my points and my my security level at the time, you can pay to go to someone like your mother's funeral. Mm. You know, it's it's a lot of money. You have to pay guards to escort you there, and yada yada. But it's doable if you know if you pay the money. If you're you know, so I was telling her, if it's all eligible and if that's the say that's the case, I'll. I need you to do that. I'll pay the money. I, I swear to you, I'll, I'll, I'll work the rest of my life to, I just have to say goodbye to her, you know? Yeah. And she was like, why don't, why don't you stop going in there? You know, <laughs> like, why don't you just stop? And I was like, oh yeah, you know, that's so easy for you to say, you know, like, and then after I got off the phone with her, I, it was like 10 minutes after I got off the phone with her, I got into a riot. Like my prison gang got into a riot with this other gang and, kicked off and then we ended up going to the hole and I was in the hole for like a little over three months. And while I was in there, I, I kept hearing my sister saying like, why don't you stop going in there? Why don't you stop going in there? And, um, when you're in the hole, it's, everything's like super restricted, right? You don't have a lot of amenities, you know, and stuff. So I was writing a letter to my mom telling her like, Hey, I messed up. I'm going to be in the hole for a few months. So I won't be able to call or, you know, um, but if you could please send me um, some money on my books or maybe a package, I really need some like deodorant and some soap and stuff. And it hit me while I was writing that letter that she was going to do it. Like I, I, I knew, you know, that like I was writing her this letter and I was like, I know that when she gets this letter, maybe she'll wait a week or a few days she but mm -hmm. she's gonna send the money right she's gonna she's gonna she, she's gonna take care of me like that and i was like man dude like i've been taking from this woman my whole life you know like when i was not messing up and i was four five six years old i was just taking you know i was a child just taking from her it wasn't you know and then after that i i just started taking more i started robbing her and stealing stealing from her breaking her heart never coming home, doing every, everything she asked me not to do. Mm. I did it tenfold. And so I was like sitting in the hole and I was like, I really need to get through, tell this woman, I thank you. Like, how can I let her know that I'm grateful? I tell her every time I write her letters. Thank you so much. I love you. You know, but mm -hmm. it's probably just falling on deaf ears by now because I don't change. I'm not doing anything. Right. So I had the thought when I get out of prison this time, I'm going to give her a gift of saying, thank you. Like, I'm not going to go directly. Every time I got out of jail, I told people verbally, I told myself it's pedal to the metal till I hit the wall. Like people will be asking me like, Hey, what are you going to do when you get out of jail? Oh dude, I'm going buck wild till I end up in jail or dead again. That's wow. every single time. Yeah. And so I was like, maybe this time I get out, I, I, I don't, I spend a week with her. Like I don't go directly to drugs and I, I, and I spend a few days with her. I feel, spend some time with her and tell her how much I appreciate her. And when I got out of jail, that's what I did. I spent the first week. I didn't leave my house and, um, it snowballed. Like I couldn't believe um, 
seeing, spending time with her, just spending time with her. We'd go to McDonald's or something, you know, me, her, and my dad, and you know, a few of my little cousins, and it was a, it was it was an amazing thing. Like her eyes, like showed so much joy. Yeah. Because I had been out of jail for two days, and I wasn't, I wasn't high on meth. Wow. Wow. And so at that point, is that, what's that doing for, for you? Like, are you deciding that maybe this is, I mean, how easy is it? Like you're, you're, you're battling with addiction. You're battling with, with you, you've got the, the gangs inside the prison, outside of the prison, all these influences on you. You're basically having to self isolate to, to stay away from all of those influences. And, and is it just the, the, um, experience of of spending time with her that has a a real shift in your mindset that says this is the this is the time that you're going to change. Honestly, um, it, it 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 kept it kept snowballing. I didn't have the full thought of like, okay, now is the time to change. It's it's cha- I'm changing. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Like that wasn't fully the thought of when it was happening. It was. I was just engulfed so much in, in, in her joy that I wasn't messing up at the time. And, um, she was, she was tougher than nails, man, where she pushed me. Like, you know, I had been out of jail for a week and then she was like, you gotta go get a job. You know, you like, you, you're not gonna, you're a grown man. You're not going to live off me right here. You know, you want to get married one day or have kids. Like you got to provide you got to get a job. And I was like, I don't know. Where do I like, where do I go get a job? What are like, you know, I don't know. I had no skills, yeah. you know, I hadn't graduated high school and I had a, no trades, no nothing, you know? And, uh, so she was like, go to McDonald's, go to Subway, go to, um, just fill out anything, anything, you know? And, um, I learned a lot, dude. I learned a lot about myself in that, in that fraction, in that time, very quickly, it was, um, it was a very weird thing to accept inside myself that I, um, I had a hard time walking into a subway, looking, um, a 17 year old kid in the eye, you know, some high school kid. Yeah. And asking if they're hiring. Yeah. Like if I can, if I can, if I can have a application, you know, and um, fill out an application and turn it into handed, hand it back to like this 17 year old kid. I couldn't look him in the eye. Right. Like knowing that I had a prison, you know, like knowing that I'm not going to get this job probably because of my rack, my background, knowing that I wasn't qualified to work at Subway. Right. Really. Because I had no job experience I ever. And I'm like standing there as a grown man, gang member, been on prison yards through riots and things that I'm like, I'm a tough guy. I've been through chaos. And and I'm standing in a subway in front of a 17-year-old kid. And I'm I feel ashamed. I feel weak. I feel small. And I was like, dude, this is weird. Yeah. 
So like in a different scenario, like that kid be scared as shit to to, to <laughs> interact with me. Well, he was probably scared. He was probably scared interacting with you at that moment too. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so, how did you get this first um, this first opportunity? Who gave you a chance? My my, I, I got my first chance through my cousin, and and it was my mom. So I filled out so many of those things, and and I never got a call back. I never got a job interview. I never got a maybe or any, like, you know, I never got anything. I don't know if it was just like they were throwing them directly in the trash or the managers were reading this like, oh, yeah, not this guy. This is not the one. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but I, ne- and, and my mom was like, go do it again. And I was like, mom, I don't know where else to go. No one's get, go do the same ones again. The ones that already said no, do it again. And yeah. I was like, but they already said no. And she's like, I don't care. And then I, it became a thing that like, okay, I, all I want to do is make her happy. So all I have to do is fill out this piece of paper and, and, and never like, if they don't call me back, who gives a shit? Like, I don't care anymore. And it makes her happy. Right. So that's what it became. And then my, my cousins, um, they turned their, they turned their uh, backyard into a, uh, like a venue location. Yeah. For, for like weddings and parties and things like that. They decorated their backyard. And so as they were hosting weddings and all these like baby showers and stuff like that, they kept using the same exact catering company. It was just like, you know, a, a business work with business. Yeah. Know? And um, my cousins all on their own thought of this and everything. They thought like, hey, you know what? Like these guys bring their own dishwasher. Maybe like maybe we can have Chris wash dishes and then we'll just tell the catering company that we have an in-house dishwasher. And they asked me if I would if I would be willing to wash dishes. And I was through the roof, like, dude, I'll do anything. I don't, you know, I wash dishes in prison. I washed laundry in prison. I did, you know, I'll do whatever, you know, just give yeah. me an opportunity. And it was actually the perfect opportunity because it was tucked away in the back and you know, like they don't want the dishwasher to, to be exposed during the wedding and stuff like that. So I was all, I was still very much institutionalized and didn't want to interact with people and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I was able to just be in my own little personal bubble and work. I don't mind work. I love hard work. It just, you know, it's something in me that I just, it makes the day go by. I enjoy the hour, you know, it's just, so as, um, as that continued to snowball, I work in, you know, steadily now. My cousin kept pushing the catering company, giving me a more opportunity. They're like, do you see Chris? He works hard, you know, like give him a chance at being a waiter. You know, and um, so I became a waiter. Then I got comfortable around people. And so then um, talked my way into um, becoming like a barback. Yeah. Kind of. Um, not officially because I couldn't, you know, I wasn't, hadn't been to uh, bartender school, but then that was an idea. So I went to bartender school and, um, finished that, finished, got it, like, got a certificate, <laughs> finished school and something, you know, finished school. I was like, yeah, it took me like three weeks. It was just like memorizing matching colors and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you're, but that has to be, that has to be huge for you, man. You're, you're, you're getting out. Somebody's given you an opportunity. You've worked your way up kind of the same way you were doing, you know, on, on a bad road. You're now making these steps towards, 
towards a good, a good, uh, or a better road, certainly. And, um, and then somewhere along the line, and the reason that, that I come across you and started following you on social media is because of the, of the exercise, the calisthenics, the, the bars, and, um, I follow that kind of stuff. I've came, I came across your, your stuff and, and, um, that was a major, a major point for you. How did, how did that happen? Like, how did it, how did it happen to where you're, you're, you're starting, you're working real hard like this. And then somehow you, you end up in a gym, like, and then meet so, these people. As I was working at the catering company and, um, I was, you know, grinding and, and, and moving up the ladder, you know, I bar back and I started bartending. Then I, um, then I started being like an event coordinator to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Doing like my own events, like going to the catering company, I had the keys to the building, load up all the food and the decor, and then go and host my own event kind of thing. And it was, it was, you know, it was building. My mom was all happy, come home and make fun of me for my feet hurting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, it was going great. And then um, um, my mom told me about a bump on her head came home from work and she was like, Hey, Chris, check out this bump. And and it was like, just like the size of a marble, but, um, it was really hard and it point like protruded out. And I told her like, you got to get that check. What is that? You know? And she's like, I've had it for a while and it doesn't hurt at all. Yada, yada. But it turned out that it was a a cancerous tumor on her brain. Mm. And, um, as, um, when they found that they looked into it and they found cancer in her lungs mm. and uh, she had already been a cancer survivor, uh, breast cancer. So it had come back and come back very strong. And um, it was very quick. It was very quick. She got sick and uh, we, we knew that she was sick. We found like, we found out she was sick and, and it just, it, the, the ball, the ball, it took over, man. The momentum of the ball was, unbelievable yeah and um before i before i knew it before we and my family before we knew it man she was she was leaving man you know she was she was on her last days and and i just remember i was lost i was scared i was crying next to her on her bed and um i was sitting there i was crying and i was holding her hand she was sleeping and she woke up she saw i was crying and she was like um you know, what's wrong? And, you know, and I was like, mom, I'm so scared and I don't want to lose you. And, uh, she was like, I don't understand why you're scared. You know, like, I'm not scared. I'm ready. You know, Mm -hmm. I've seen everything here and I'm ready to see what's next. And, um, that courage, like, I don't know. It's something that like hit me that like, it shook a chord inside me that like, I'm fully, this woman, amazing woman is literally lying on her deathbed and i was i was scared you know i was scared i was thinking about me yeah i was like i'm scared i don't want to lose you i don't know what to do without you and she was like i'm not scared i'm you know and i'm like how how can i be scared if she's not scared you know she's going into the unknown she's going into like you know and and she's ready. She was ready, you know? And I was like, man. And she passed, she passed, she passed away on my birthday um, in 2012. 
And um, it shattered me, man, honestly. Did that, um, when, when that happened, did that ever, did you ever think maybe this, you might start heading down this, this old familiar road that you had been down so many other times or did you stay on I, the high road? I, I, I stay, I, I didn't, I didn't relapse. Like I didn't go back to drugs. Uh, I didn't go back to drinking. Um, cause I, I, I don't drink anymore either. Um, but I didn't, I didn't care. Mm. Like I didn't, I didn't want to do drugs and stuff because I knew that that's not what she wanted. But I honestly didn't care. Like when she was here and I was working and, um, and, and just seeing the joy and the interaction that we had, that, that, that connection, I was in the place of like, I'll never do drugs again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do drugs. It don't matter. Like, you know, I like, like this, this, I found something so much greater. So I'll never touch that again. But when she passed away, I honestly just didn't care anymore. Mm. I wanted, like, I was suicidal, dude. I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I grew up Catholic and everything. So, like, it is always in, in grounded in me that, you know, like, you don't commit suicide. Right. You know, some suicide is the ultimate sin. You won't, you won't you go to purgatory. You don't go to, you know, you, like, you know, and, and I, I believe in my mom's in heaven. And I just wanted to be with her again. And I was so suicidal, dude. I, I I never left. I didn't leave my house. I, I, I hated every, I stopped working. Mm. I, um, because I worked for a catering company, it was like on call, right? Like you book this date, book that date. Right. So right. I didn't necessarily quit. I just didn't book any more jobs. You know, I just wasn't working. I just stayed home. And so I was wasting away. I wasn't eating, wasn't going out. Um, I was dying, dude. Mm. And I um I wanted to commit suicide, honestly. Like I wanted to be with my mom. I wanted to die. I wanted to end, you know. Um and I um I ended up going to the gym. I had, you know, um a few people around me were mentioning the gym, mentioning things to just, you know, get out, do out, you know, do something, you know. Yeah. A lot of my family thought I was using drugs again because mm -hmm. of the way I looked and, and the way that I wasn't coming around no more and stuff. So a lot of family was already starting to write me off saying that, you know, they think that I'm going to end up back in prison and stuff. So I, um, I had the thought that, you know, I'm gonna go to the gym to try to, um, to try to exhaust myself so that I can sleep. Yeah. That was, you know, I remember being in prison part of my prison gang was mandatory workouts and stuff. So being stressed out in prison and then having to work out because it was mandatory and then realizing like, Hey, I feel a little better after the workout, yeah. you know, releases endorphins. And so I was like, okay, if I go to the gym and just walk or run on the treadmill, you know, for two hours, three hours or something, like I'm going to get to a breaking point where my body's just going right. to exhaust out, you know? Right. So that's what, that's what I was doing. You know, I went to the gym, uh, I went to a gym in Long Beach called Metroflex, which is like an insane gym. It's not, you know, like I'm not bashing any gyms, but it's not an LA fitness, you know, it's yeah. not a, these like, these guys there are like, they live and breathe their, their weights, right. you know? 
So uh, walking in there is just motivation, you know, or intimidation. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, what the heck's going on? You know, so I liked being there uh, just because I wasn't doing nothing. I was trying to grunt out and just grind. But these guys were working so hard. So I was just like, all right, whatever I'm doing, if I'm doing, you know. And I literally saw some guys doing um, doing muscle-ups. I, like, I never, I never seen a muscle-up in my life. Yeah. Did a lot of prison time, done a lot of pull-ups, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of dips, you know, but I just never had seen a muscle-up. And I remember, like, I had some dumbbells in my hand. I was messing around, like, and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this guy do a muscle-up. And <laughs> it, it looked bonkers to me, you know, like, he went up and I was like, what the heck? So I like, look, he like drew my attention. And when I looked, he did again, like he came down and went up again and it looked like he was on wires. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, like the pull up, <laughs> yeah. the, the pull up assist machine. Yeah. Like it looked like it had all the way through, like he was here and then the bar was to his hip. Yeah. And I was like, what the, like, damn dude, that dude's freakishly strong, <laughs> you know, like that's crazy. And then he got down and another guy from his group like attacked the bar. Like he kind of ran at it, jumped up, grabbed it, did a muscle up and then did a 360 and then like caught the bar again and then like jumped down, you know, like it was like a real quick boom, 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 boom. And I was like, what the, like, you know, like what the hell was that? Like that was like some like rollerblader X games. Fitness. I don't, you know, like yeah. it's so funny to me that like I honestly thought that, and that was my thought, and it wasn't even gymnastics. Yeah, like I didn't think like, oh, gymnastics. Like that's what <laughs> that's gymnastics, really, you know. But I was just like, oh, X Games. Like, yeah, I didn't. I, I had no. I was so clueless, you know. And I was literally like, whoa, dude, these guys are seriously doing some crazy shit. And one of the dudes saw me like. Hey, bro, you uh, you want to try that? Like, you ever you can you muscle up? Can you ever you you do muscle ups? And I was like, bro, I don't I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what you're doing. And he was like, try it, bro. Like, get up there, like try a muscle up. Like, try to do a try to do a pull up all the way on top of the bar. And like, I, I let my my ego kicked in, you know, like shit. You know, I've been to prison and done a lot of you know, uh-huh. done a lot of a lot of pull ups and you know. But I've been like, I'm coming off like a six, seven month depression. Right. You no, know, I've been in my house. I'm pale. I ain't <laughs> even got no sun. You know, like uh, sucked up. I was super skinny. I was like 130 pounds. Like just, you know, and I was like, yeah, I think I can do it. That got on the, I couldn't even do a pull up. Like try, I tried to get the bar to like my forehead, like uh, humbled real quick. Like, dang, dude, that was, you know, got down. Hung out with the guys for like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah, man, we do this and we do that. You know, and then they were like, um, hey, man, we're going to take off and stuff. You know, like, okay, cool, man. Nice to meet you guys, you know. And I remember keep I went back to the gym a couple of times to uh, hopefully run into them again. And uh, I did. And then they invited me out to uh, Venice Beach. They were like, hey, bro, we're out here at Venice Beach every Sunday. Come out here, man. You know, so. I uh I went out there to to Venice, and um, dude, it was an amazing day. 
it, I was out there from like 11 in the morning to sunset. Yeah. And I was burnt, dude. My, I was so like just sunburned, doing pull-ups and push-ups and dips and everything for all that time, you know, just, so is I, this, I was so broken. Is this like a lightning I, strike I, for I, you? I, like, like, is this like a, a, a moment where it was like lightning strikes and you're like, this is it. This is, I have found it. This is it. And like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with depression, but I do know what it feels like. And it's not, it's not good at all. And it sounds like you were like pretty, pretty depressed. And then when you start to come out of that, that's really an amazing experience where it's just like you take this old wet, heavy blanket off and you, 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 you're in the sun for the first time. And it's like, yeah, now there's hope. Like I can see this path. Like, is that the kind of thing that you were experiencing on this day of like, now you found these people, they're positive, you're exercising, you're out there and you see this, this path to, to like getting back to normal. That was, that was exactly, that was exactly it, dude. Honestly, like I didn't think much of the actual thing other than just the workout. Right. Yeah. I, um, um, I just wanted to do it the next day. You know, like the day was coming to an end, the sunset, you know, everyone was leaving. All right, man, you know, good to meet you, meet you. And hi, you guys have a good night. And I was just like, I felt down, you know, like, shit, I got to go back to my bedroom. Like, mm -hmm. I got to go back to my house, you know, like, I want, like, I can't wait till tomorrow. I'm going to do this again. You yeah. know, I'm going to do this again because it was so awesome. You had to be sore as hell, though. Oh, I was broken, dude. <laughs> I mean, man, if I you're was... not doing pull-ups at, at all and you just start doing a whole bunch of pull-ups, that that's probably as sore as you ever Wrecked. get. Wrecked. Oh, Your hands are probably Wrecked. torn up. Everything's torn up. Yeah, calluses on the hands. Yeah. You know, like, can barely, like, claw hands because you're like, ah, <laughs> oh. dude. But I, I, was, I, I couldn't wait for it. And the next day I was broken. I was doing dips. I was like, ah, and I was like, I was so happy to be doing it again. It took over it. Like it, it took over my life. Yeah. I just wanted to work out all the time. I just wanted to be around these guys, this group of people. And so what was it about the group of people that was, that was such a big part of, of this for you? They were, they, they accepted me. Yeah. And they were positive. They were positive people. You know, they were like trying to teach one another how to get stronger, how to help. They were helping one another and they accepted me. Yeah. I remember I like, I let my, um, I was letting my hair grow out a little bit, trying, cause I have tattoos on, on both sides of my head. And, um, I didn't, I, I mean, I, I'm all covered in tattoos, but I, I didn't want, you know, head tattoos are maybe a little more. <laughs> Next <serious>. level. <laughs> you, yeah. You know, so I'm like, I wanted so bad to be accepted by these people and and and, and it, it it was never a thing like i strived to try to be accepted by them like trying to hide tattoos didn't really talk about my prison and gang background in the beginning for a long time for right. like months hanging out with them but it was never it was never a thing but you know, they like they later, knew they knew i mean you I mean, they knew I was in, like, you know, later they became my really close friends. And they told me a couple of them that like, I became real close with their like, bro, when I first saw you the first time on the beach, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Who the hell? Like, what the hell is this guy doing here? You know? Right. 
but but and yet they like, were very accepting and very open and 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 super yeah. positive and that and and so for a person that's in that position like like you're in this really uh kind of extreme position like you're 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 in this super depression because your mom just died but you're also like coming from this whole other world and you're meeting up with these people and doing something that that you're getting some some great feelings out of so how important is it like that that they were positive and that they like i, I mean it, it seems like just one little comment could have been the difference between you know you feeling like man i knew it those guys were going to be a bunch of jerks and and they're not going to accept me and 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 that didn't happen and it was the other way like hey man come on over check this out like how important is that like to to somebody in that situation just that one little one little opportunity it was everything it was everything honestly like i was i carry so i I do, I have, uh, back then even more, I carry so much self-hatred for the, the things I've done, the, the, the pain I've caused, the, everything that um, it's all built up and pent up inside me, like a water balloon, right? Like a big water balloon of all this pressure and pain that I carry of how I look at who I used to be. Yeah. And this group that I want to be, if, one thing, dude, one thing, if they would have been like, you criminal, I don't know. It, I don't know what, but just one, it, like a pinprick to a water balloon. It would have been ever, it would have been over. Right. And it, and it, and it never, it never happened, dude. They, so, they, so for, for just the, the regular listener, how important is it? Do you think, or how can we apply that to, to our lives to, to, you know, you see somebody that's hurting, you see somebody that's not quite, you know, I mean, take it to, to, to any extreme, the, 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 the kindest, gentlest extreme of there's somebody eaten by themselves at, at a table at work or something. And, and they're new there. Like how does that experience and what that did for you, how can people apply that to their life and, and like show positivity and give somebody a chance and be inviting and have an open heart? Like how does, how does just the regular person bring that into their life or, or realize the importance of that? To realize the importance of it, I'm not sure how to realize it. Um, you know, there's a, um, there's like memes or different things I've seen on Instagram where there's a thing that like the person that will walk by and smile at a complete stranger, like they're, they're, they're the special ones in this world. Right. And or something like that. I don't yeah. know how it's working or whatever, but that's what I try to practice now. Like being someone that has been depressed and uh, I struggle with depression still mm -hmm. actively. Like, you know, this pandemic has kicked up things and, you know, I, I struggle with it all the time. And um, knowing that the struggles I've I've gone through with depression or drug addiction or the loss of my mom or um, being adopted, like as a child, when I was a little kid, right? Mm -hmm. um, I just know from experience or f remember painful times that I had a smile on my face or I tried to, you know, I was going about my day, but I was carrying a lot inside. 
and um the people that have like smiled, you know, that they have smiled to me that, you know, yeah. Just getting off the elevator and you just I eye to eye to someone and they smile like, you know, like hey, I am behind that day. Like, you know, it's it's not much. Makes a big difference. You know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. I read it in a book. There's, there's things that like it said, it said it's, it's things that are easy to do, but easier not to do. Like those are the things that, that if you focus on those and you can take that into your training, you can take it to whatever you can take it to that, that example right there of, are you, do you take the time to smile at somebody when they walk off the elevator? Do you take the time to invite somebody over to eat at your table? Do you take the time to do whatever? Those are things that are really easy to do but it's also easier not to do them. Like you can, it's easier to divert your eyes. It's easier to just keep on going and be in your own little world. But those little things, man, I mean, when I read your book and I'm hearing you tell this story, it's like that little, that little opportunity for that group to, to be like, man, this guy looks a little different. He's a little different, but let's, let's, let's bring him in. Let's see what he, let's ask him if he wants to come over. I mean, he might not, you know? but they were open and inviting. That was, that was like obviously a really big point in, in this whole turnaround for you. And, and then it leads to you getting um, more involved in this group and, and obviously learning that there is like a competitive element to what you're doing. And you're being very humble because I'm looking behind you there. I see all the, I'll see all the trophies and everything, but then you, you, you go on to become three-time world champion in this, in this um, competition. And, and it's like the battle of the bars is one of them, but they're, and, and traveling all over the world. I mean, this, that one day really opened up a, a tremendous opportunity for you, but you had to walk through the door, man. You had to like, that door's open, but you had to walk through and then you have to do a tremendous amount of work. But I found it really super interesting. Just that part about the a book of, of, you know, because I'm really interested in how exercise um, affects people and how exercise can pull people out of depression and how exercise can help you to deal with, you know, minor stress or major stress, whatever. And then, then also the camaraderie about of, of a group and having some kind of a group. And some people get that with church. Some people get that with uh, CrossFit gym. Some people get that with, I don't know, whatever kind of group that they're in golf group or any kind of group. And they, you know, it's like, eh, you know, they might like golf kind of, but what they really like is hanging out with this group. And what it, what really, and, and the same thing with CrossFit, like, it's like, you know, there's so many people that never really exercised much in their whole life and they find a CrossFit gym and now it's almost like a religion. And it's like, do they really like doing power cleans and, and burpees that much? Or did they, did they find something in this group that is filling a big void that they had in their life? And, and that seems like that was a big part of it for you too. I mean, the competition and the, and the calisthenics and the, and the muscle ups and everything that was seemed to be a really big part, but it also seemed like this group like really pulled you into a whole new direction, a whole new world. Totally. Like the group, um, it, the positivity and the way that like, they were very, very positive. And the way and they, they were literally building each other. Like every time we met at the beach, I watched, you know, cause we would come from, I come from San Pedro. They come from Long Beach and Pasadena and Santa Clarita and, you know, all these different places. They're like coming together to, you know, drive in an hour. Each of us are driving an hour to meet up in one location just to like 
share information on how to get stronger on, on with each other. But it was just that this this group it was building and building and building. But the thing is, is that what it was for me like that built in me with it, like just wanting to be positive. But uh, my first competition, I was pushed into it. Like I had only been training for eight eight or nine months, and a good friend of mine, uh, Kenneth Galarzo, is the the vice president of the WCO, the Battle mm-hmm. of the Bars. He was like, hey, dude, we're doing a battle, right? And uh, I signed you up. You're going to be in the battle. <laughs> and I was like, dude, like, I'm not ready. And he was like, bro, like, you are ready, but I need 16 people to fill these slots. Or we can't have a tournament. Right. We need athletes. So you got to do me a favor and you got to do it. You know? And I'm like, all right, well, that's how he got me in it. Like, you know, you're going to do it. I was real nervous. This guy from Germany was flying in and I was like, oh, you know, like, um, I, I won that. Like I won, like, you know, my, my friends in my circle that were there, they were telling me like, Hey man, you're going to win. We know you're going to win and all this. And I'm like, ah, I don't think so, man. And you know, might fall apart in, in, so, in pressure. So let's, let's just do a little, um, uh, uh, update of this. So this, this type of competition for people that might not understand it, you're going to have like a routine or you have a certain time limit or, or how does it, how does it work? And then you're judged, right? The competition itself has evolved over time. The, my very first one that we were just talking about that I won, it was a routine. I had two minutes to do like, um, street gymnastics, Mm -hmm. you know, on the high bar, the, the rings, the parallel bars, the floor. And, um, as it has adapted now, the competitions are now held like an MMA fight. So it's like um if 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 um if you've ever seen a breakdance battle. Yeah. So it's like a breakdance battle of gymnastics. So you have two guys that are matched up in weight classes mm-hmm. like an MMA fight and then they go and they go head up. So one person can can do like an iron cross or some type of high level a planche or a front lever. Yeah. The next person has their their chance to go back and match them or outdo them. Huh, okay. And the person go they go back and forth for three rounds. One winner, one loser. So it's just like a fight or huh. like a breakdance battle but with gymnastic movements. So that's basically, you know, evolved from from playgrounds and and places where people are working out and that's what you're doing anyway like let's see what you can do let's see what i can do you know and then and then it's like yeah this could be a this could be a pretty entertaining competition i mean i'll I'll follow those things bar stars and all those things on instagram and 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 watch um it's really cool but that's that becomes like a real competition and then you traveled like all over the world to do this right yeah well, like when I did that first competition, that one where like my buddy signed me up for it and everything, it was held at the LA Fit Expo, which is like a a fitness expo yeah. thing, and and I never been to one of those before this competition and stuff. So going there and seeing like pre workout like proteins and all these like supplement companies and 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 bikinis like you know like like <laughs> it's a wild yeah. scene at those things man you know, it's like a boat show you know we i go to a lot of boat shows and stuff and it's the same kind of deal it's like this is like a carnival 
Like exactly. carnival, you yeah. know, like they have lights and they're like drawing yeah. your attention, like come over here. And some girl with have barely any clothes on is trying to sell you a, a headband for some reason. <laughs> you know, you're like, what's going on? It's wild, you know. So I was like intoxicated, like, oh, this is what fitness people do. Like, <laughs> this is what the gym, this is why people go to the gym. Like, oh, like, you know, it's starting to get it was, you know, and um when I won that competition, um, I don't know if you know who Bella Facconi is. She's like a very big uh, fitness. Yeah. Star. Okay. So, so Bella Facconi, it, she gate, she was handing out the trophies at that first competition. <laughs> and everybody was, I didn't, I didn't know, like, you know, I didn't know any fit. I didn't know that there was fitness celebrities, <laughs> let alone who the celebrities were. Right. So when I was there and I was competing, like a lot of the athletes and people were like, dude, Bella Facconi is the one that's passing out. Oh, like, man, dude. And they're all like pumped up. And so when I won the competition and this like celebrity was giving me the trophy and everybody was like in the stands and they're clapping and it like, it was going nuts. Like there was a DJ doing all this, you know, it's like, <laughs> what the, and my grandmother, um, she's not actually my grandmother, but like in my family, everyone just calls her Grandma Weta. She, um, she's my sister-in-law's mom. My brother, yeah, my sister-in-law's mom. But she grew up with my mom, my adopted mom. Crazy story that they grew up in school together as friends. And when they grew up and got married and had children, she had a daughter and my mom had a son and then they're their kids got married. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my grandma Weta, who's really my, my sister-in-law's mother, um, knew my mom since they were little kids. Like they were, you know, and, um, she came to my competition Yeah, and you know, she was there when they, when, when I won and they gave me the trophy and, um, I remember going up to her, I had the trophy and they were crying. She was crying and my family was crying and I was just like so excited. And, and she, she, she put her hands on, on my face like this. And she looked like so deep into my eyes and she was like, your mom would be so proud of you. Wow. And that was it. I was like, okay, I'm done. A life, you know, I know what I'm doing. Like, this is it. You know, like I'm not doing catering no more bartending. Like, I'm not, like, I know what I'm doing. You know, this is it. Is there any this money in, in that? Do you win money too? Uh, that competition, I won two, like two, I think $250, okay. $250. Um, I, I quit my job after that. Like, you know, people were like, dude, how are you going to work? What are you going to make money? I was like, I don't know yet. Uh, but I didn't care. Like I knew like my mom, when she would come to see me, she would put me in jail a lot of times mm -hmm. and then she'd come see me in jail after she called the cops on me and then she would tell me like i love you and i know that there is something great something amazing in this world waiting for you wow if you're willing to work for it and i would i would tell her all the time like mom i love you you're an amazing soul it's not me you know it's not for me you know and, and and she would tell me over and over there's something waiting for you there's something waiting for you if you're willing to work for it but you have to work for it it's not going to be given to you. Hmm. And, and, and when I got that trophy and my grandma was like, your mom, I was like, this is what she was talking about. 
she was right. Like she was, she was right. And she told me, and, and, and I threw away so many years. I could have been, you know, I could have been on this track so much sooner. So I got to go hard, you know, and I just went, I just submerged myself in the world as much. All I did, that's all I did. Mm-hmm. I lived and breathed it. I quit my job, got my first NASM book, um, National Sports Medicine, um, became a personal trainer. And everything from that point forward was was fitness. It was, I'm competing, I'm training for a competition or I'm coaching somebody or like that was the lightning hit at the beach that first day like wow this is really gonna help me i love this and i want to keep doing this Mm -hmm. the lightning set everything on fire that day at the competition when when my grandma was like your mom would be so proud of you i was like that's it this is it i'm just what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life wow that's super cool Man, you know, I I I want to. I could hear these stories all day, but I do want to ask you some questions. So, you come from a place where there was incredible negativity in a lot of in a lot of ways. You had incredible negativity in your own in your own mind, and then then you have this opportunity and this this situation to where you see positivity and you're around these positive people, and it puts you on a different track. So, in your mind, how would you describe? A negative mindset versus a positive mindset. Cancer. Like a negative mindset against a positive mindset. Like you're, you're, excuse my language, but you're fucked. Mm -hmm. So, but, but let's think about that just a little bit deeper. Like, um, a negative mindset, like in your opinion, what is a negative mindset? How do you think versus how you think for a positive mindset? Um, it's, it's, I, I believe it starts with yourself, right? So if, you, if you're down on yourself, then you're going to be down on others and you're going to be down on everything else too. You know, so a negative mindset, um, I feel like... Um, I've noticed maybe in people noticed like joking, like people will be like, Oh, I'm way too fat for that. Mm. Or I'm, um, I can never do something like that because I can't, it's just not, you know? And it's like, okay. If you ask that person, like, Hey, are you, are you, do you have a negative mindset or are you depressed or anything? Like, nah, what the hell are you talking about? So like, you know, but like, I just noticed like the last couple of weeks we've been hanging out. It's kind of a common thing that you, kind of bash yourself yeah you know you're, you're i'm too this or i'm not enough that or you know like and i feel that that is um that is a negative mindset right that's a like maybe the beginning stages or 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 whatever like i don't know how to word that it's just you feel like it, like it, it that continues on without being checked without being assessed and cleaned Mm-hmm. Right, like a car, like anything that you want it to run properly for a long time, it has to be cleaned, it has to have maintenance, yeah. right? And that's the thing that we don't really recognize or think about. A big thing is like self maintenance, right? Am I checking in with myself? Like, what have I been eating lately? Like, not even if you're like some health kick and you're like want to be a you know six pack fitness guy, but the thing is, is that what have I been eating lately? What have I been telling myself lately? What have I been watching? What have I been reading? 
Like, what is my intake? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So if um, I love The Walking Dead, I love crazy stuff like that, you know, just complete fiction chaos. But things that are self-growth, you know, things that are self-help, something that just makes, even if it's not something that's like, oh, uh, like say a book about a certain thinking pattern that helps people. Maybe you're not going to change your thinking pattern to that thinking pattern, but reading that, thinking that, that's just food for health. Right. You're trying to think in a way of positivity. Right. So that's the thing that I feel that a negative mind can not necessarily be quote unquote a negative mind or be recognized in the person of having a negative mind. I feel like if you neglect yourself from giving yourself good nutrition in all aspects, whether mm-hmm. that be physical, mental, um, and nutrition, like as in food and everything else, if you're not checking that, then you're in a negative mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not positively trying to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that I just kept thinking about when I was reading your book and the situations is like, you know, it's, it's an extreme case, right? Like you're, you're, you're like at a super extreme case of limiting beliefs of, of, you know, thinking badly about yourself or, or, or being on this negative road, even though like you're working really hard going down this negative road, like you're working really hard. Like if you could just channel that into positivity you could work really hard to be a world champion, which you did. But I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, if he can overcome the limiting beliefs of, man, I'm a career criminal. I'll never be able to get out and, and live in the regular world. I, this is, that's not for me. All of the things that you've said, even during the time that we've talked here, like, you know, when you're talking to your mom, like that's, that's, not, that's not written for me, right? That's a negative mindset like you're you're deciding you're going down this road to be able to change that and turn it around and change those limiting beliefs to having no limiting beliefs like I can be a world champion I can live this life and on this high road I can be I can quit my job and I can create this new life for myself if you can change that at in those extreme situations how can somebody just change that you know, like the guy that you were talking about, like, I'm too fat to do a pull up or I'm, I could never do that or whatever. And maybe they're really super successful and they're on a positive road, but they still have these real limiting beliefs that, that if they could just overcome those things, man, life could be whatever they wanted it to be. Like, what what are your thoughts on overcoming the limiting beliefs? So like my thoughts pattern on, on things like that is um, like Nike, Nike has the greatest slogan to, you know, just do it, Mm -hmm. just do it. And that's the thing is that I don't know, honestly, because my, my situation, it snowballed. Like I got out of prison thinking, okay, I'm going to give my mom a a gift and say, thank you for all the years that she's been here. And if she dies and I, you know, I'm still this prisoner and all this stuff, I at least want her to know how grateful I was the whole time. Yeah. Even though that it seemed like I was just taken from her and I didn't give a shit, I really was grateful the whole time. And that was the only thing that I was really sodding, like I was really after 
was to make sure she understood that I was grateful. And then seeing the, the joy and everything in her made, gave me more fuel to do more and do more. And then I, that whole working hard to go down the ladder, I can work just as hard to go up the ladder. Mm-hmm. That kicked in and that happened. But that's what's a huge, huge thing about me writing my book and me sharing my story. Um, I'm not sure because in my case, right, my whole thing turned around because I was only trying to tell my mom, thank you. I was, I, when I first did it, I, my whole thought was, I'm probably going to mess up. Yeah. Right. I'm so addicted to drugs that if I don't do drugs for six months, it'll be amazing for her. But let's just be real. I'm probably going to relapse. I mean, I've been doing drugs since I was 11. You know what I'm saying? I'm probably, you know. And so as it kept getting stronger and stronger, like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not going to relapse. No, I'm not going to relapse. That was just building on itself. Right. But to pull the trigger. To say, like, you can change, you can, you know, that's what the big thing about my book, because at 13, 14 years old, I accepted, like, I'm never going to change. I'm going to die inside one of these boxes, or I'm going to die on the street, either like strung out on drugs or doing some stupid gang crap. I'm going to die dumb. You know, I, I accepted it. So for me to be where I am today, it's doable. It highlights to me, like as, as a person that has lived many years of my life, understanding that it's not doable. It's not. And now that I live and breathe the example that it change is possible. That's what I'm trying to share. Mm, very you know, interesting. Like, if it has to be the Nike, just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, man, if you're if you think you're too fat to do a pull up, guess what? How you're gonna do your pull up? Yeah, get your ass on a pull up bar. Yeah, if even if it's just hanging from it, you gotta do it. But the thing is, is that if you sit there in yourself and you're like, I can't do it because I'm too fat. I can't do it because I'm blah 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 whatever. My book, I have a book about my life that you can read that will tell you. It's doable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to find it inside you, but there's a prime example of someone that never thought and fought tooth and nail against himself, but still was able to get to a point of change. Mm-hmm. And the only message, like the, the huge message is that it's doable. Has nothing to do with me. People are like, you know, like, People be like, oh, man, you're a world champion. You're so strong. I'm like, bro, I just like going to the beach and working out. (laughs) Like, I was blessed that I live in California, and I get to do pull-ups in a beautiful area. Like, I get to watch sunset, and it's just easier for me to do pull-ups for four hours. And that's all it is. I'm just a guy that just grind. Dude, and if you're willing to put your nose against the stone and grind and grind and grind, it's doable. Period. I love it's it. It's doable. I love it, man. Uh, you got a lot to teach the world. You really do. And, um, and you've got a great story and, and you're really should be honored for, um, for sharing that. Cause I know that probably wasn't all that easy. 
to uh, to put that out there and not know what in the world's going to happen when you put that out there. But I think you did it for a great reason. And I think that you're going to help a lot of people. And um, so kudos to you, man. Congratulations on that. And, and congratulations on turning your life around and, and being a world champion and all that. But I think the real contribution that you're making to the world is, it goes far beyond being a world champion and, and that's sharing your story. Um, and there's going to be somebody out there that, that, that hears it, that was on the same road that you were on and can turn it around just like you did. That's awesome, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, one thing, um, one thing that was interesting to me when you were, when you were talking about that, you were like, I don't know how it really happened. It kind of snowballed, but you kept coming back to, to just, you wanted your mom to know that you were grateful. Like, what do you think about just living your life in gratitude and being happy with what you have and being thankful for, for, for where you are, no matter where that is. I mean, how much of, how much of, uh, do you think could be attributed to, to just that attitude? Everything. I mean, it, it, that, that's my mind. The, as a person that still suffers from depression and stress and everything um, all the time, like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, like this pandemic and this weird home stay at home orders and lockdown and, you know, it's kicked up a lot of different emotions and, and, stress and depression but a huge thing that i've been doing and 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 for a long time not just right now but that helps is to just take a second and be grateful yeah think about take a second and list like i know that sometimes it sounds cheesy and like as a kid like you know when i was 16 17 going through all these issues i went through all kinds of counselors and they sent me to you know, and everybody had these things about like, you know, count to 10 and do this and do that little exercises. And it sounds cheesy sometimes, you know, but if you take a second and honestly try to list out 10 things that you're grateful for, what do you, what do you have to be, you know, like when, when we start to list, you know, it's not too, it's not too hard to list these things. I got a roof. I got water you know there's there's people in this world that are struggling like by a hundred times what you have felt to think struggle it was right and 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 just to just to sit back for a second and just be like you know what i'm grateful for this moment of having food in my stomach having somebody tell me that they love me to have, there's, there's a lot to be grateful for awesome. and to live your life in gratitude and to that, take the, like we were saying before, right. That, that self-awareness of taking a time to work on your, like, I think it's a big thing, you know, meditation, all that stuff is huge. But if you take a second and just, you know, mentally tell yourself what you're thankful for, it keeps, it keeps the, the chatter. It keeps the, that negative chatter at bay pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. You're not the only one that has, has told us that on this podcast. And I believe that wholeheartedly that living in gratitude is really the secret. I mean, it's, it's the secret. It's the secret to success. It's the secret to life. It's the secret to positivity. And, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, never more evident than in your story, like to turn that all around 
and and you do that through gratitude basically that that comes down to kind of what that sums up pretty much everything we just talked about like all all of that like it it comes down to that attitude and being being grateful and happy and and thankful for for what you have and and no matter what that is you know that's pretty awesome Man, I've enjoyed talking with you. I really have. And and I know you probably got to get back to training and stuff like that. But um, tell everybody how they can find you, how they can find your um your your book and um follow you on on social media and stuff like that. Uh, so tatted strength is what I go by on all social media platforms. Uh whatever new one comes out, I try to jump on that one too. So <laughs> so if you uh just look up tatted strength. Uh, on Instagram, it's tatted underscore strength, YouTube, all the different ones. And uh, my book is called Beyond the Bars, From Prison to the Podium. And it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle. And I am been working a little slowly, but I've been working on the audiobook right now. So I'm ho- hopefully have uh, the audiobook coming out. Right on. Is that why you have that awesome microphone? I was wondering what that was all about. That's probably what it is, right? Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I was telling you. Like when, uh, yeah, when we, um, when I first connected, I saw your microphone, and I was like, oh yeah, I got a microphone that yeah. I can plug well, it in. Makes a, it makes it makes a big difference. We've had kind of poor internet on this, so the video might not be as as good as I was hoping, but um, uh, the the audio has been good, so that's awesome. Well, I look forward to the uh, to the audio book because I looked all over for it because I'm an audio book listener and I looked for it a bunch and uh, and it's good. I think that you're doing it in your own voice because uh, uh, that's that's good, man. I like I like when authors do that. But anyway. All right, man. Well, have a great day. Thank you for for telling us your story and and uh, being so open and um, appreciate it, man. So good luck to you and um, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate being on. Yep. All right, Chris. Thank you. See ya. 